0: Hi, friends, we are actually starting, you don't know this, but I'm telling you this, two minutes late, and um, that's because I'm sitting here and I'm seeing the clock tick past four o'clock and nothing's happening, I'm not hearing anything, and I'm looking through the window at Kyle and tapping my headset and say, hey Kyle, what's up? I show him the clock, we're after four, well, where's the show? And I look down and my headset's unplugged, everything had started, but I didn't know what my bad so uh we started up again 2 minutes late but ne- nevertheless you won't be you won't be sacrificing 2 minutes of the show we're just going to go 2 minutes overtime but glad to have you with me here on San Reason, Greg Cocol your your host and uh, I have before me the uh Canejo Guardian this is an independent community news from Canejo Valley that is the community that I live in a sleepy little valley that's about, you know, a mile and a half wide and about 15 miles long and is just straight west of the massive San Fernando Valley. But we're not like San Fernando Valley. We're this quiet little, fairly conservative community that, uh, you know, is uh, just outside of the Los Angeles sprawl. And it's a, really a, a delightful little place, you know, um, We've got chaparral all around us. We've got, uh, uh, we got coyotes that come in our backyard. We have rattlesnakes on the fringes, you know, mountain lions too. That, in any event, um, oh, well, by the way, in case you recall from 2019, that was also the same community where the, um, Uh, borderline shootings happened and the same day the big fire started in southern california the last one in the los angeles area that was all our valley spread over the mountain to Malibu and, and did a lot of damage. But we're a little quiet, conservative Conejo Valley. But I have the Conejo Guardian here in front of me. Now, there are two newspapers that get distributed every week. You find one, the, each of them, on the driveway. It gets tossed out, you know, and uh, by some delivery boy, man, person, whatever. And um, the the other one is just more newsy stuff. But the Conejo Guardian isn't. Is called The Guardian for a reason. It's because they are kind of a, I've come to learn, a, cons- a sort of conservative watchdog over the community, and they talk about the kinds of things that the, the, what, what might be called the legacy press, uh, and the, the other community newspaper would be in that category, is not willing to cover. They're not going to tell you the things that are going on. And I've quoted from you, or rather to you, from the Conejo Guardian before, but uh, ours came yesterday and my wife set it out uh, where it'd be visible to me. I saw it there and I said, honey, do you want me to read this? She said, yeah, look at it. And here's the headline, CVUSD, now that would be the Conejo Valley Unified School District, like LAUSD, this is the CVUSD, allows boys in girls' bathrooms punishes students for using wrong pronouns, and wrong pronouns is in quotations. So so this is an alert about something that recently happened, a policy clarification um, with regards to the CVUSD, that is all the public schools, K through 12, in our sleepy little conservative community. And uh, the, the article starts this way, in response to parents' demands for policy clarity, okay? Um, just a note, this is happening all over the country, where local school boards are deeply and profoundly politicized with regards to certain views and are adopting these views and enforcing them on the students apart from the parents' consent. And sometimes, even apart from their knowledge. So, the, st- the parents apparently, I don't, my kids are not in public school. But, uh, and I, I would never do that to them. Now, I, I don't mean to be harsh on people who have no other choice, but I do have a choice. And so, and, and this is one of the reasons why I do almost anything to keep my kids out of public school. And by the way, there are more and more people that are adopting the same policy. So apparently parents have asked for clarification. So the CVUSD released a bombshell document on September 21st in which the superintendent and board members declared that, and now it has a summary. Now remember the summary is in the words of Joel Kilpatrick, who is the author of this piece, but it's meant to summarize the details. 1. Menstrual products will be placed in the boys' restrooms in all 6th through 12th grade CVUSD schools. 2. Boys-slash-men will be allowed to use girls-slash-women's restrooms and locker rooms without hindrance. Now, we learn later, as I look at the actual citation, that given um, the gender identity of the individual, so it's not just a free-for-all. But nevertheless, if a boy thinks he's a girl, he can go in the girls' bathroom, and if a girl thinks she's a boy, then she can go in the boys' bathroom. Uh by the way, not only the students but adults as well. Just just picture that in your mind. Um next item students, teachers and staff will be punished for using a student's wrong pronouns. Next item, boys are allowed to dress like girls and girls are allowed to dress like boys. Next item, schools may create support teams to help gender-confused students in their so-called transition to another gender, which could include taking puberty-blocking drugs and having genital mutilating surgeries. Next item and final one in this summary. Teachers and staff may not share with parents any information they receive about a student's gender confusion, questions about sexuality, or potential mental health problems. Conejo Valley. The wide-ranging multi-sourced document available, and then they give the source for that, um, moves Local schools squarely into the realm of the bizarre, criminal, and dangerous editorial comment by this writer. I agree with it, but I'm just making the point. And then it cites, for example, the CBUSD policy says, of those who refuse, open quote, so this from the policy statement, to address a student by a name and the pronouns consistent with their gender identity are engaged in gender-based harassment. Now, you know this word harassment is a dangerous word, right? I mean, harassment's bad. Sexual harassment's bad. It's actionable uh, in a way that's consistent with the the, the kind of circumstance that it happens in. But now, if you don't use the right pronouns, that's considered harassing a gender-confused person. This forces all students and teachers and staff to abide by the gender and pronoun choices of students suffering from gender dysphoria and other mental health issues at risk of punishment or firing. It's the article. That's not the um, the document, but it's just a summary. That's exactly what's happening here. Um well, let's see what else we have. According to the CVUSD, gender identity means, and this is a quote, the student's internal sense of their gender, whether or not that gender, uh, that gender-related identity, appearance, or behavior is different from the tradition that traditionally associated with the student's physiology or assigned sex at birth. Close quote. In other words, those are the words that are in the policy thing from the public school. Notice how they characterize identity, appearance, and behavior that is associated with some sex, male or female. They identify it as traditionally associated. So what the educational system is saying in this piece is that all of these things are just traditions and we have had a tradition that has reigned until now and now we're not going along with that tradition anymore in fact we are we are um after a fashion legislating against it we are saying this tradition you can't practice this tradition anymore what you have to do is comport with the 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 mental um Well, I I even hesitate to use identity because because that's a freighted word now. I would say just the, the mental assessment, a person's own opinion of themselves at the moment, that's what rules. And notice how they identify that whatever gender you thought the person was, that was merely assigned at birth. Now, I don't mean to be crude. I certainly don't, and because I don't mean to be crude, I'm almost hesitating to say this, but I'm just going to say it because it needs to be said. No physician assigns a penis and a vagina. They're part of the equipment that comes with the child. When the doctor says it's a boy or it's a girl, he is simply observing how reality is structured in that circumstance. It is not an assignment it's an observation, but of course that doesn't go along with this narrative. And so, in this document, and I've read a number of other quotes, they keep using this phrase: "assigned gender," or "assigned sex," or "assigned at birth." That whole, that whole, um, that whole uh, characterization. All right. By district policy: students must also be allowed to leave campus without. Parental permission for medical appointments, which may involve receiving puberty blocking drugs or abortions. By the way, what this means is okay, think about this, K through twelve. Any student in the school can unilaterally declare themselves a certain way. And the student and the, the school is obliged to to cooperate with whatever the kid says about themselves and cooperate without notifying the parents. So, who's in charge here? Here's, here's who's in charge. The kids are in charge, K-12. through The kids are in charge. And second, in second position, the school is in charge. Who's in third position? Actually, no one because it doesn't have to go any further than the school knowing about this, what the student has decided, regardless of age. That means in this system, there is no place for the parents. Not on this issue. Now, they, they, there's some language in there about, we, we encourage the student to cooperate as much as possible with the parents, and blah, 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 this and that. I can find it. The document makes clear that while the school district, open quote, believes, this is from the document now, the interests of the student are best served when district staff, parents, and students work together to address challenges and concerns. Then it says the district considers itself under no obligation to tell parents about the school thing. Oh, they give lip service to this. Well, we think it's best if your parents know, but we can't tell them we are not allowed to tell them. That's up to you. Young man, young woman, boy, girl, kid, you get to decide and we support your decision and we won't tell mom and dad. So I, I, I you can see I'm speechless, right? My wife was uncharacteristically furious. It's almost like, what next? What next? I know your tax dollars are paying for this. Because it's not just happened in the Conejo Valley Unified School District. That it's gotten to CVUSD means it's everywhere. This has been LA Unified for a while. And probably wherever you live, it's happening too. Now, you may not know this because they don't tell you unless you force them to reveal what they're doing. Some might be a little bit more forthcoming, but I'll tell you one thing, they're not, and that is flexible. So, now the question is, okay, what do we do? What do parents do? I think that this is a place where parents need to make a stand. I envisioned in my own mind, and I'm not counseling anybody to do this, but I'll tell you what I I would love to see happen. I would love to see 200 parents show up at the same time, alert the press by the way, show up at the same time at a given school, at say 11 o'clock, and just move into that school, take their children, and leave. No, don't sign in every single one, don't ask permission, everybody just floods right in. And where are they going? They're going to get their own student and take them by the hand and take them out of the school and then tell the principal, we are never bringing our child back to this school. And I'll tell you, it will not be until that kind of thing. It's got to be in mass. It can't be one person. Well, you can do it as one person, but it's not going to have the same effect. What I'm talking about here is not an individual conscience choice, but a concerted effort of the community to say no to this small group of people who are abusing their power. Who refuse, this small group of people who refuse to participate in this. Now, this is not going to be easy. Okay, what do we do with the kids? Mom and dad both work, or whatever. We Maybe we can't afford a private school. I don't know. But you have to say no. You've got to say no to the schools who are doing this to your children. Because this is the environment they're going to be raised in. They are going to spend more time probably in this environment than they are with you. And they are being instructed about a false view of reality that's not just inconsistent with God's view, It is against God's view. It is saying no to the world that God made, and yes to the world that this smaller group of people in power want the world to be, and they are forcing you to be part of that project, or your kids. They're forcing your kids to be part of that project. And once all these kids grow up, then the world looks different. And it's not just one idea versus another idea. This idea is dangerous. Now, I realize that pronouns seem like very inconsequential little things. Him, her, he, she, no big deal. Why not just play along with preferred pronouns? No hassle. But think about this. If pronouns are really inconsequential little things, right, then why has so much ink been spilt? And in some cases, livelihoods lost. Yes, that's happening. And the threat of that is here. Why is that happening for not getting these pronouns right? Because getting a particular pronoun right means getting a particular narrative right. And here's what's at stake with those simple little words. We are being besieged by a worldview that is completely foreign first to Jesus' view of reality. Right? Remember when Jesus was asked about divorce, Matthew 19? He said, have you not heard? that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Why did he start with gender, slash, sex, when he starts to talk about marriage? Because this is the foundation of everything that follows marriage and the families that come from the marriage union. Jesus starts with gender. Why? Because it's so important. Okay, But on this way of thinking about where is reality, reality is not out there in the world. Reality is not the way your body is shaped. Reality is what you think in your head. Now, that's just classic relativism. It's what I call the inside-outside distinction. If you need a way, a formula of making the distinction between objectivism and relativism. Objectivism is when the truth is determined by what's out there, outside of our minds, that it's mind-independent. Anything that is mind-dependent is relativism. doesn't mean that everything that's relativistic is bad. My particular fondness for, on occasion, Baskin-Robbins, Jamal Almond, Fudge, that's a relativistic notion. Nothing wrong with that. That's mind-dependent. When my mind goes away or disappears, <laughs> or I lose my mind, I guess, then that truth about me is gone too. I disappear, then it disappears. Because it's tied to me as a subject. But if it's if the truth is tied to the object, as long as the object is there, the truth that applies to it remains. What this worldview is saying is that truth, at least the truth about sex slash gender, is not out there. It's in here. It's in our heads. And, of course, that's relativism with regards to this issue, and it's not just a false view. It isn't just, that's their view, and, yeah, too bad they're confused. It's a view that's being forced upon everyone else, and this is why so many Christians are now confused when they ought not be. And I've talked about this a lot. The world's confused. That doesn't mean we have to be confused. This is not rocket science. I mean, the obvious scriptural truth is that for humans, sex is binary and objective. In other words, you have male and female, and that's determined by the sexual physical sexual apparatus that you possess. That's Bible. And, um, and by the way, that's clear. You don't need the Bible for that. <laughs> it's clear to anyone who takes reality seriously. God made two sexes genders, if you will, I think they're synonyms, which simply means two types of bodies. And he made them for a reason. It's the way humans can be fruitful and multiply. No duh, right? You don't need divine revelation for that. But in our culture, we're being pressured to reject both God's truth and what's obvious to our eyes. On the pretext of what? Why? Because they say it's the only way to be nice, or kind, however you want to characterize it. And on the pretext of being kind, the world has made prone watch this—has made pronouns the skirmish line in a broader battle of worldviews. There's a lot at stake here. Who is it that defines reality? Does God define reality, or each one of us? Or let me let me say it a little differently. Does God? define reality, or does the government define reality for us? Because that's what's going on here. The government is saying what reality is, and reality is whatever's in that kid's head. And if you don't agree with that, tough for you, you got to go along with it, or we will punish you. Sounds scary? Yeah, it is. Paul warned us not to be taken captive by empty deceptions of men. Find that in Colossians 2.8. Empty would be like hollow, mm-hmm. vacuous, void of truth, and this pronoun ploy is one of those empty deceptions. So, what do we do, and how is it that we resist the lie and live the truth and still be nice or kind? Well, I think here we can take a cue from Christ and distinguish the narrative from the individual. So John said that Jesus was full of grace and truth, John 1.14. And uh, this detail of Christ's character, I think, can help us navigate this gender minefield um, by allowing us to protect people's feelings, that is, show grace to them within reason. I mean, this is not like unbound. Whatever makes you feel good, that's not the idea. We take feelings into consideration. But we reject the narrative, that is, we uphold the truth. And I think there are what, at least three separate circumstances that that require maybe different three different responses. So, first, in my opinion, and we've talked a lot about this at Standard Reason, I think we should call people by the names they choose for themselves, all right? I mean, names are different from pronouns, right? Their their names are personal preferences by nature. And so, if we refuse to call people by the names they choose, I think it just comes across mean. Pronouns, though, are different. Pronouns, they're not conventional. Although that's the attempt that's being made with this kind of stuff at the CVUSD and all the rest of them around the country, except for in the states where this is not allowed. Legislatively, they've prohibited this. But those are precious few. Okay. Uh, pronouns refer to sex. And once sex is not a preference, it's a fixed feature of reality. So names are one thing, pronouns are another. If you're required, and here's a second circumstance, if you're required to post your so-called preferred pronoun, do not simply report your accurate gender. So, in my case, they say, what's your preferred pronoun? I say, wait, I'm a guy. So, my preferred pronoun is male, or pronoun would be him or he. But the minute I do that, even though my pronoun matches my sex, I have given them what my preferred pronoun so in other words when i do that even though it's act my pronoun pronouns are accurate to my sex that is my physical body i have still reported it as what i prefer i don't want to play into that game at all i don't want you to as either So, I have a a suggestion. When you are asked for your so-called preferred pronoun, why can't you simply say, I don't have one. I have a sex. I'm male, for example. Why can't you just say that? Now, now keep in mind, they've asked you for your view, essentially, and you've given it. And it's completely self-reflective. It only has to do with you. It says nothing about anyone but you. So in principle, at least, this should not be a problem. You're asked for a self-assessment, you gave it. End of issue. Now, it's not going to be the end of issue because the problem here, they don't want your self-assessment. They want you to buy in to the narrative or at least conform to the narrative. That's what's going on here. And my my, my counsel, do not participate in the lie it's a lie, and you are being bullied into participating in it. Now, if you're asked to use preferred pronouns when speaking of others, then—so remember, the first one is, what name do you use with people? We talked about that. The second one is, how do you identify yourself if, when they ask for a preferred pronoun? Here's the third one, how do you refer to others? Okay, this goes more to the issue of the policy in the school district where I live. And in this situation, I think, keep in mind that, that, preferred, that, that um, when you're speaking of others, pronouns are third-person references, all right? Th- in other words, they correspond to the sex of people who are not present. You don't talk to somebody and say, hey, her. You say, hey, you, all right? So you are, you are speaking of this person with other people when you use a third-person reference, like a pronoun. Okay, um, so it, at least in principle, their feelings are not at stake. But the arm-twisting still goes on, even in those circumstances, and this, this demonstrates that um, this is political, it's not ethical. Okay, so my my advice is um, not to participate. Refuse graciously, but firmly refuse. Now, you could say something like, well, um, actually, this is not my view. So it would be dishonest and inauthentic for me to act like it was. Let me just say that again, because you may notice that what I'm trying to do, in some sense, is trade on their lingo authenticity. Okay? The real me. This you do you stuff is is really when people try to cast this out in a more sophisticated way is about individual authenticity. You have to be the person that you are. Okay, and these people think they are a female trapped in a male body, for example, all right? And so the appeal here is let them be who they are. Well, if I would ex- I could accept that to, to a degree. Let's just say I accept it in principle. If they are allowed to be who they are, why are we not allowed to be who we are? That's why I think it's fair to say, well, wait a minute, that's not my view. If I were to affirm pronouns the way you want me to affirm them, I would be dishonest to my own convictions. I would not be being authentic. Okay? Now, maybe you're a teacher. Uh, You could use a student's last name for third-person reference. Um, Or you could find some other kind of workaround. Uh, There's a lot of you that are facing these difficulties, and just think creatively about doing the workaround, but don't, please, don't buy into the narrative because you're being bullied. At some point, you have to say no to a bully, or the bully will continue bullying. When you have a physical bully, all right, The only way to stop a person who's physically bullying is to knock him down. Now, in the old days, you know, somebody would stand up to to the bully and literally knock him down. Nowadays, it's a little more figurative because we tell the principal or somebody else, and they knock him down with a detention or something like that. But they have to be opposed. They have to be stopped with a, a force or a power greater than they have. That's how it works. And this is bullying. And so this is time for us to say no to that. And we have to push back with more force than they push forward. I mean, I think a simple refusal, graciously, with reason—in other words, you're giving the reasons why—ought to be accurate. If they were being true to their own convictions— regarding authenticity and respect and being nice and being kind, they should allow you that latitude. They do not care about any of those things. This is my conviction. They care about enforcing their worldview on others and punishing those who don't go along. And by the way, um, it is not loving your neighbor anyway to affirm gender dysphoria like this because for the from those suffering from gender confusion the suicide rates skyrocket and by the way they do not skyrocket because there's no safe place for gender confused people every place is a safe place now for gender confused people there is no safe place for someone who disagrees with this everywhere you turn it's being affirmed The person that is not affirmed is the one who disagrees and wants to live according to their own convictions. Be nice to other people, be gracious, but not step in line uh, uh, with, with this particular demand. Even in Sweden, hey, you know, this is a culture completely sanguine on these matters. The suicide mortality rate for transgender people is 20 times the standard for the general population. And by the way, surgery does not improve those numbers. And it's one of the reasons that the American hospital that pioneered sex reassignment surgeries, that would be Johns Hopkins, they don't do those surgeries anymore. And the reason they don't do those surgeries anymore is because all th- they realize they're not helping that person. There's no help. All they're doing is mutilating a perfectly good body, as one doctor put it, who had been involved in those surgeries. Now, there's a reason surgery is not the answer. Um, here's one reason. It is biologically impossible to change one's sex. Full stop. You, It cannot be done. Virtually every single cell in your body is screaming one thing while your mind is trying to move in another direction. It does not work. The best one can do is mutilate a perfectly healthy body, as I said. And, and second, those dealing with gen, genuine Genuine gender dysphoria, not the make-me-up that the culture is creating now, called a social contagion. It's a fad. Those people really suffering from gender dysphoria, they are deeply broken people. And that's by their own admission. I mentioned a moment ago, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Does that sound right to you? It doesn't sound right to them. That's why they're bringing it up. Something's got to be done. But they're convinced it's not their mind that's amiss, it is their body that's amiss. And so the rest of the culture says, yeah, you're right, your body's all wrong, but what you think in your head is perfect. Here's the problem. Once you change the body, it can't be changed back again. But guess what happens? People do change their mind about this all the time. And when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and they have surgically had their been castrated, or they have surgically had their breasts removed, they're not getting those parts back. Or their body's been radically altered forever because of the hormone-blocking drugs, etc. They don't get that back. They can't change back and just undo everything. Now, the way this used to be dealt with is, I know you feel like a girl, but you're not. You're a boy. So we're going to help you with your self-concept to match your body instead of mutilating the body. And you know what, by the way? There's a whole bunch of states, including California, where that's illegal to do with a minor. Crazy. These are people who need our love and our grace and our help, not our enablement of their affliction. I mean, would we recommend liposuction to an anorexic? Now, I hope everybody's saying, well, that's crazy. Of course not. But no doubt that's coming, too. If the tur- current trend continues, I've mentioned before, the parody quickly becomes reality. You can't parody these things because they show up on your doorstep. In the, you know, this is really happening. It's nutty. So, here's my kind of final salvo. Here, just say no. Graciously hold your ground. Refuse to be bullied into affirming a lie. I understand the temptation to compromise on truth is intense, and people have to choose the hill that they die on. For some people, not to not compromise is just going to cost them too much, and I'm sympathetic to that. If you say no to this and you lose your job, that's I. I think that should be grounds for a civil suit, but that means you've got to you you've got to litigate. And that's expensive, and it's time-consuming, and who's going to feed your family in the meantime? So I'm sympathetic to that. But listen, some, some hills are worth dying on, and if we don't start dying on these hills, the hills are getting bigger. And the encroachment on personal liberty is getting more severe. And when do we say no? When do we say, this is it, draw a line in the sand? We're not going any further with this. On this issue, our goal is modest. We are not demanding that other people abandon their views. We are only asking that we be allowed to keep our views. And in the long run, we may not be able to change culture. I acknowledge that. But we can always keep culture from changing us. Greg Kokel here for Stand Reason. Let's take a break, and I'll be back with calls in a moment what if i'm wrong have you ever
1: asked yourself that question there are times when we feel confident about our convictions but there are other times if we're being honest when we encounter doubts that leave us wondering if we got it all wrong this has caused many to deconstruct their faith if you can't give a why to your faith you won't be able to give a why not to your doubts in other words if you don't have a christianity anchored in what's true you will always be at the mercy of your doubts. That's why we're excited to announce this year's Reality conference. Our theme is Seek and You Will Find. We will equip students to navigate their doubts by seeking answers to their toughest questions. Because when you seek answers, you find truth. It's time to examine the foundations of our faith because a strong faith requires a strong foundation. Join us at one of this year's Reality Student Apologetics Conferences. For more information, visit realityapologetics.com. As a high
2: school teacher, I always had a red pen close at hand. When I wasn't in front of my students teaching a lesson, you could find me assessing assignments, grading essays, and evaluating exams. The red pen played a crucial role in the educational development of my students. With it, I questioned their assumptions, exposed their errors, and challenged them to think critically. You see, a good teacher doesn't merely tell his students that they're wrong. A good teacher shows his students why they're wrong so they don't make the same mistake twice. He corrects because he cares. Last year, I was scrolling through social media and frankly, I was discouraged at all the bad thinking that undergirded much of what I was reading. Then it hit me. What if someone applied the red pen to this flawed thinking? And red pen logic with Mr. B was born. In the last few months, red pen logic has grown in popularity. Through our engaging and shareable educational graphics and videos, we are helping people, especially young people, assess bad thinking by using good thinking, and we have a lot of fun in the process. So here's your homework assignment. Like the Red Pen Logic Facebook page so you don't miss our next graphic, and subscribe at the Red Pen Logic YouTube channel so you don't miss a single video. Class dismissed.
0: All right, I was just talking with Amy about, uh, oh my goodness, we were both frustrated just thinking about what I've shared with you here, and uh, and I just had a thought, you know, they ought to make a law <laughs> that every time you make a law, you got to cancel another law out so that you don't keep piling up laws. If you go for hundreds of years... And all you do is make bunches of new laws. I don't know how you can avoid a totalitarian state. Get rid of some of these things. And by the way, I I wish this would happen more often. When you have crazy laws, then you have uh, have a a shift. And the people say no to this nonsense and elect a bunch of other people who are sold out to this nonsense. Then those other people say, okay, we're nixing this law. But I don't see that happening very much. I don't know why they, why they don't. Maybe some, sometimes a court will nix it as unconstitutional, but I'm not even talking about that kind of thing. I'm just saying, yeah, this is a bad law we passed. We're going to undo it. Uh, anyway, okay, let's go to Granbury, Texas, and this is Craig. Craig, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks a lot, man. How are you doing?
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying not to get too angry well, in light of what I just read. From my hometown area, my 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 home area, I should say, not my hometown, but yeah.
3: I, anyway. I, I feel you, I feel your pain there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thing to let you know is that my wife and I have been very very active in our local school board. It, if there was ever a Mayberry RFD left, in, at least in Texas, our town would certainly, or at least <laughs> up to the past few months, would have qualified for it. But uh,
0: so no. you live you live in Texas, Granbury, Texas, and what, what? Well, I'm just curious, have you you encountered that? in your community, do your kids go to public schools?
3: Well, well, fortunately my kids have escaped the wrath of Caesar. They're my youngest one who's in college now, my older doctor, uh, dental school, but we're still, and we get a lot of pushback. Why do we even care? You don't even have kids in the school. It's like, well, (laughs) we have friends who have little ones. But anyway, well, can uh, I
0: respond to that real quickly? It's because sure. the, these schools are training the people who will be the future leaders and are going to govern everybody else. It isn't a matter of just like, oh, this is your kid, so you get to say something. These are these are people that are members of our community yeah. that are that are being having forced upon them, and that's another thing. If they just kind of adopt it themselves in the open discussion yeah, and they think this is a good idea, that's one thing. But it's being forced upon them to build a whole generation of people that that think in lockstep with the left. And these yeah. are the ones that are going to be running corporations, that are going to be starting businesses, that are going to be our elected leaders in the future because they're the only ones going to be left to be elected. And the uh-huh. people voting for these elected people. So this is their way of guaranteeing that their way – stays this th- their way like forever and right. that's why this matters now even yeah. if you don't have kids in school
3: yeah they're, and they're going to be the ones that's in charge of yours and mine social security hmm. and when their view of human value when you no longer become productive to society it's like well you've had your health care rationing citizen and it gets cut off but uh, in in response to your your question there the transgender ideology hasn't really hit here yet because minds haven't been moved enough to accept it. But what we're really having a huge battle with right now is explicit hardcore porn in the libraries, even as no. low as about grade. In, wait,
0: in the libraries?
3: In the school libraries, yes. It in is, the school
0: uh, library, not just the general public library, the school oh,
3: library. And, and, well, in fact, I think even more so in the uh, school libraries than the general. But uh, now, that, and the only difference between these books that are in the school library and say "Hustler" and "Penthouse" is just these books don't have pictures. Okay, I mean, right. It's it, and trying well, to bring it to light during a school board meeting. Uh, I mean it, it's easy to do, and I was listening to what you were saying about you know how to how do you speak the truth you know about reality and i've gotten up numerous times to speak and of course it's like trying to do a, a giant tweet you know you can put out 3 to 5 minutes worth of something yeah and it's by school board policy they can't say anything so you're basically just talking to the wall yeah Hopefully and they don't care. have
0: to listen to you e- either and uh, no. and uh and when a lot of parents show up to object they are characterized even by our federal government as uh, as 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 domestic terrorists, you know, I mean, this is that's the hint. And let's get some uh, enforcement here to clear these people out. And uh, of course, that I think backfired. And uh, it, it just is another example of a very authoritarian approach from the powers at be. And right. uh, and every every month, it seems like there's something else that happens that takes your breath away, and, and you think, how can this? Happen now. I'm 72, so I've been around since 1950, and so I have a history, a historical perspective in my life to see the radical differences. Right. But there's a lot of people who are, you know, looking. Unless you're 25 years old or older, you don't even have a a conscious recollection of 9/11. Right. You know, so so these are people that don't know the world that I grew up in and the America that I grew up in and the liberties that we had that are part of the American project. And these things are being taken away from them left and right, and they don't realize what they're being robbed of. Now, right. The older crowd does, but the younger ones don't. And this is another problem. They have never been taught about America as such. America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And you know our roots and whatever. I, I, I've, we're getting a, a little bit of field of our main issue here, but I, I yeah. just uh, it, it's anyway. So let's go to your question, Craig.
3: Well, just one one last thing. I just want to say, as far as the school board, they get up there and have been talking the same way, like when you're talking about you know the nature of reality, calling stuff out. It's like no, there are only two genders. You know, the men were made for women, and women made for men. It's just like either deer in the headlights, uh, you know, the rolling eyes, the shaking heads, you know, the whatever, or just overall just complete apathy. Yeah. And that thing that is so, you know, I get the accolades privately, you know, from here, there, and elsewhere, but it's like as far as, because uh, I even say, you know, if I'm missing something, someone please let's have some coffee and let's talk about it. Lands on crickets. Yeah. yeah, right,
0: right, 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 and I, I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm writing a book right now, in how we engage others, you know, using questions on these issues. The last chapter, I'm just working on the last couple paragraphs actually. Hopefully, I'll send it out to Zondervan tomorrow. But the uh, the reason it's so slow here is because I'm dealing with gender, marriage, and sex, and as I I mentioned. Uh, with when I was talking, when Amy and I were doing a show this morning, and hashtag STR Ask is you're you're talking with people, you're engaging people who no longer speak English. And, and what I mean is, of course, they, they, yeah. they, they, they are English-speaking people, but it's a kind of a hyperbolic way of saying all the words have changed definitions. And so when you use the old definitions with them, the, the classical definitions, the definitions of words that comport with reality, they look yeah. at you, as you characterized a moment ago, that, like they don't even know what you're talking about. They're they're like, what are you saying? What's wrong with you? Wake up and smell the millennium kind of attitude. <laughs> and um, and there's no almost almost no grounds for communication anymore at all. And so what what my posture is now is the is it's just the the um, as I've I've told others is that that I am trying to protect the church from the world without and from the wolves within. And there's a lot of wolves on the inside now. Uh, the Bible calls it chaff, you know, also. Wolves and chaff, the, the wolves make chaff. And chaff are the believers that are so confused, they don't hold to Christianity anymore, though they still call themselves Christians. So um, I'm concerned about the body of Christ standing tall and standing firm, not changing the world's point of view at this point, just keeping us from losing our grounding our foundation. That's my concern, uh, Craig.
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: So you had a question
3: yeah. <laughs> that had nothing to do with
0: the, yeah. my rant here.
3: Yeah, okay. Um, no. I, fortunately, it's something quite a bit lighter. That is, uh, uh, my family and I, we're, we're big fans of Dennis Prager and mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro. We love watching and listening to them and everything and have learned lots from them. Mm-hmm. But what gets me, since, well, here in Texas is not exactly a bastion of Jewish activity, my question is, with a staunch Orthodox Jew as they are, how does an Orthodox Jew atone for sin?
0: Well, they have this worked out. The classic Mosaic Law atonement can't be done. It couldn't be done since 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed. Okay, so that's off the plate. Um, And so now what? It's kind of interesting to me—I mean, I have an answer, their answer, and I'll give you in a minute—but it's kind of interesting to me that when the Jews were out of the country, that was an indication that they were not right with God. (laughs) You know, whether it's the Assyrian uh, dispersion or the Babylonian deportation, it was an act of judgment. God had promised this land to these people and made it very clear in a multitude of verses. I've I've been keeping track of them. I write them down in the flyleaf in the back of my Bible, why the Jews? And there it is, just verse after verse after verse after verse. You know, I got dozens of them. God says, why the Jews? Why is this happening to these? Because you're disobedient because you have not been faithful to me. So when 70 AD comes and the temple is destroyed, that ought to be a big neon sign hanging down from heaven saying, something's not right with you guys, with me. But it wasn't. Now, it, it, my take on it is, what happened is they rejected their Messiah. So if they're going to be dispersed, you know, like for 70 years by the Babylonians for their errors and idolatry, you know, with God before, what what do we make of God dispersing them from their country for 2,000 years? But th- they've never put that together. And it's actually, I think, a little bit dangerous to even suggest such a thing, although Jews have sometimes suggested it, that the all the grief that's befallen Jews <clears throat> is because th- that they have left their God, so they understand Deuteronomy twenty-eight and thirty through thirty. Okay, so nevertheless, now they're stuck. Now they had a system that was a means by which they could secure forgiveness, the sacrificial system, and um, and so now they can't do that anymore. So what they what ha- their tradition, and this is a big part of of Judaism, kind of changing with the times. And I think this is an important theme of Judaism, that as times change, we change, okay? Now, the Orthodox aren't going to be so glad about changes, but they have to change something, the Temple's gone. And so, the, 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 the way that sin is quote-unquote atoned for is through repentance and prayer. And fasting and those kinds of things. So there are systems of prayer that can be done and uh, and fast and keeping the holidays in a certain kind of way that they deem as an adjustment, and their their authorities, their leadership has determined this is going to be the way that we're going to accomplish this. Now, I mean, our pushback is going to say, did God ever say, say that was okay? but yeah. um but the, the you have to have a um i think a lower view of scripture even old testament scripture to say that yeah well that was good for that time but god isn't requiring that of us now because the temple's been destroyed instead of asking why did god allow his temple to be destroyed they just acknowledge that they can't do it anymore so we got to reform our system a little bit so that we can meet this need in a different fashion. And I the, the, my understanding is that this is the way they, they do that, although I think it's a really good question to ask any Jewish person who takes the Mosaic system seriously. What now? What are you going to do now that you can't do that for sin? Well, they're going to tell you, basically what I told you but the question is what authorizes you to make that change right and I don't, I don't know the answer except for they might say well Judaism's always changing and adapting and this is the latest version or something like that I don't mean right. that disparagingly I mean that I think that's the, going to be the kind of way they'll answer yeah because
3: uh, I think was here several months ago John MacArthur talk to ben shapiro kind of like a father-son kind of talk type thing and he was going all around with isaiah 53 and all the prophecies and all that and of course ben either uh deflected it or justified it somehow yeah but they came away you know completely unconvinced and i don't know maybe it's i'm sure it probably has to be you know like the heart of anything else a lot of pride
0: yeah, I mean it's a works based system, and um, and ethics um, is the means, and this is this is not only true of the men that you just described, um, but also just of Judaism in general. It's it's. Works and of course Jesus fought this all the time, um, and so now Dennis Prager's response, since we would say it is something like, and we're almost done here, so but I'll just throw this in. Well, you okay. say how many works is enough to get saved, and so my response back to you is how much faith do you need to get saved? So in either case, we have a we have a graded, fun, a, a, a graded means of of qualifying us for salvation, so we're both stuck with the same problem. Now, I, I think that reflects a misunderstanding of faith, but um, n- nevertheless... Um, go ahead.
3: I said, no, I say it re- reflects and also an understanding of the nature of sin as well.
0: Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, how, uh, how pervasive it is. I, I've had these conversations with Dennis, in, and um, uh, you know, he di- he disagrees and uh, graciously, and then he has some of his reasons. So I'm not satisfied with him, but it's just like I, I get to a certain point, and I can't get any further. So, right. um, the um, anyway, I, I I actually texted with him today, you know, so during a show, and and uh, we agree on so many things, and I'm so glad for him and what God is doing through him in right. in, in in so many ways, but ultimately the good. Can't be the good, can't outweigh the bad. I mean, it isn't like a 50 50 if you got 51% and 49%, well, you're ahead. God right. requires obedience for everything. There's no law that we can break with impunity and not be held accountable for it. That's even true with human laws. So, uh, anyway, I, I, there's a little bit of a conundrum there, you know, and uh, we can keep praying for these guys and and doing our best to persuade them, but, uh, you know, God knows. So, listen, uh, Grant, Craig, rather, in Gra- Granbury, Texas, I'm, I'm out of town here. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of time here. What is wrong with me today? So here's my music. But thank you, Craig, for the call. I appreciate the sure chat. Okay, uh, All right. Take, All right.
3: Care. Take care. Take oh. man.
0: All right. Bye-bye now. Greg Kokel here for Stand a Reason. Oh, man. Give them heaven, friends. All right. Bye-bye now.